Candy. Welcome. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And here you are, once again, at your weekly little informational show about music. Hosted by us. Yay. Yay. (laughs) And this week, to continue our Women's History Month series, we are going to be talking about the Riot Girl movement. Which I'm very excited about. Oh my god. There's There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Now, some of you may or may not know what the Riot Girl movement is. Some of you may or may not realize that there is a lot of music involved in the Riot Girl movement. It was actually one of the biggest proponents of making that a thing. So we're, I am going... <sighs> all right, there's a lot. I listened to the books. I watched interviews and documentaries. I will post everything in the show notes. I am scratching the surface So if you are interested in this topic beyond what I'm talking about and beyond any of the music that we bring up, uh, because it goes, it goes into a lot of social constructs as well that I just don't have time to talk about. And it was also happening at the same time that grudge, a grudge, grunge, the grudge. Uh, Yes. During the, during the grudge. (laughs) Yes. Sarah Michelle Keller is a really big part of this. She really does. No, she's not. not. Well, no, 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 she's not. She's not. She's not. <clears throat> gonna try but, to make a Buffy joke too early, <laughs> but it was going on during the same time as grunge was really popular, so it's all There's intertwined. Yeah, and you can't really mention Riot Girl movement without mentioning grunge. Right, we're gonna try. We're gonna try. <laughs> gonna I, try. I'm going to briefly bring up grunge because honestly, this could be a five part series. There are entire university classes taught on this fucking subject. Yeah, I'm giving you guys about an hour and a half, so. We don't have the money to take a class on this. I don't have that kind of money. Are you shitting me? <laughs> we already got our degrees. Oh, yeah, we did. We're using those, too. We just realized the other day that we got those degrees, like, 11 or 12 years ago. Woof. Woof. <laughs> and we're, we're really using them. Using them real good. Anyway, with that, <laughs> let's get into the Riot Girl movement. Yay! So, here's some background facts about the, the movement itself. Riot Girl movement was an underground feminist punk movement most closely associated with third wave feminism. It originated in the early 90s, and it does still have a handful of meetups today, but it's nothing like it was back then at all. Arguably, it's had its strongest run from 91 to 96 within Washington, D.C., as well as the state of Washington. Those were kind of the two strongest points. Little groups would show up here and there. You know, maybe in New York, even in Canada, in London, but the Washingtons were the strongest places that those happened. Right. Uh, Word of the Riot Girl movement was passed on in two ways. By zines. Who remembers zines? I do. I do. (laughs) But most importantly, by music created by all-female or female-led bands, usually of the punk persuasion. Most notably, these two bands, Bikini Kill and Bratmobile, were the biggest starters of this. And they are the two bands that I am focusing on today. Mm-hmm. But other key players in this are Heavens to Betsy, Huggy Bear, and Sleater Kinney, among others. I'll, you know, maybe make a playlist or something so you kids can listen. But it's all really good music. I fucking love Sleater Kinney. Right? They're one of my favorite bands ever. Yeah. And there was there was a lot of crossover with the bands, uh, creating music, creating zines. Mm-hmm. And there was a heavy do-it-yourself element to it. A lot of it is just bare-bones DIY. Yeah, zine, that that was like the bread and butter of zines. Do everything yourself. Yeah. Publish it yourself, write it yourself, 
distribute it yourself. Yep. It's you, you did it all yourself. It's fine. Kind of like podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a huge network. Yes. There was a huge network for zines and people got their shit distributed because yeah. of, you know, putting it in people's hands and just knowing people, yeah. knowing the right people. It, and this was back before internet, so a lot of this is very... This is how you got your information. Yeah. This is friends. Before the internet. You made real friends. Yeah. In person. <laughs> you actually had to talk to people face to face. What's so, that like? What's a person? <laughs> what's a face? Like a FaceTime? So the Riot Girl movement was begun from a desire for women to be able to belong within the punk culture. At punk shows, the men tended to be kind of aggressive. There's you don't, a lot. you don't say. I do say. You don't say. <laughs> just punk shows. Just the punk shows. Just the punk just shows. The punk shows. <laughs> yeah, sure. Please, please. <laughs> the guys pushed, hit, they moshed, really aggressive. Um, and actually, guys would be extra harsh on any girl trying to quote unquote prove herself in the pit. Oh, they're, they're still like that. They're still, oh, by the way, they're still like that. <laughs> Women were also subject subjected to verbal abuse and usually forced to the back of the room holding some guy's jacket. They were, yep. they were affectionately known as coat hangers. Story of my high school life. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't cool enough to go to shows. I, I, I didn't hold jackets though. I hold glasses. Oh. I held glasses. Yo, those are important though. I'm a, I'm a glass case. <laughs> oh, glasses case. Look at <laughs> yeah. you. You're, you upgraded. <laughs> So, the name Riot Girl came from a combination of two sources. After the Mount Pleasant race riots of 1991 in D.C., Jen Smith, a short-lived member of Bratmobile, said that we need to start a girl riot. And then the other place was Toby Vale of Bikini Kill, who was spelling the word girl as girl, like G-R-R-R-L. Yeah. R.R. Martin. This was like... (laughs) Riot G.R.R. Martin. Yes, Riot G.R.R. Martin. And I don't think that's right. That's not right. I don't think that's right. But, you know, she was angry. Women were angry. And they were fed up with the way they were being treated. So they wanted to spell girl with this angry way. Hence the words, riot girl. And that's where we get the term from. As word got out more, the meetup started. Women wanted to get together. They wanted to discuss their stories. They also wanted to talk about important feminist issues. And they wanted to do this in a safe place. They would create art, create zines. They would try to come up with other ways to bring women together. Just a really nice sense of unity for women. Because, again, this was before the internet. And this is how you got together with people. And this was also the early 90s, maybe late 80s. And, like, did this wasn't feminism wasn't really it was was second wave yeah second wave feminism was kind of on the way out and one of the things that really pushed the riot girl movement were articles saying you know feminism was over there was a time magazine article that said is feminism dead and and that kind of really pushed these women to say oh fuck you feminism dead. as long as there are women on the planet feminism is not dead exactly now i'm going to get into the bands themselves and how they really pushed this movement up. And I'm going to start with Bikini Kill. Naturally. Naturally. You'll see why naturally if you don't know yet. (laughs) So the lead singer, Kathleen Hanna, had been an outspoken feminist, and in college she used her major in photography to speak out against the violence women face as well as the sexism that is prevalent in daily life. When her work was censored on campus, she took it upon herself and other like-minded women she knew to open up their own art space. It was censored? Oh, yeah, her college. So she would do shit like 
topless women with like stars on their nipples and like sad children and a lot of rape, a lot of child abuse because she wanted to bring up like, Hey, women are being hit. They're being raped. And the college was like, no, you can't talk about this at your art shows. Which is hilarious now. Oh yeah. Because every douche bro with a camera (laughs) and an Instagram account Mm -hmm. thinks, Oh, I'm going to take pictures of naked women in the woods and call it art. So I can show them how strong and empowered they are. Yeah. No. Mm. Fuck you. You just want to take pictures of naked women. Yeah. She also performed spoken word as an outlet for her frustrations. So that was... Wasn't that... That was kind of like a big thing. Yeah. Spoken word was huge, especially in the Riot Girl movement, but especially in the early 90s, I think. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Kathleen had seen her own fair share of terrible things. She had been the victim of rape in high school. She had gotten an abortion at 15 years old. But most of all, her dad was a violent drunk who was emotionally and mentally abusive. And her and her mom were really just putting up with a lot of shit. And of course, this contrasted with her mother, who influenced her to have a feminist ideology. She brought her to see Gloria Steinem speak. She took out books like The Feminine Mystique for her. When Kathleen got older, she volunteered with Project Safe Space, which is a nonprofit for domestic violence victims. There she had seen and heard even more terrible <coughs> stories. So this all culminates into a lot of inspiration for her art and her lyrics. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that her uh, her mom was so encouraging about being a feminist, but right c- probably couldn't get out of an abusive relationship herself right she did the her mom did eventually leave him and, well, that's and good. they separated but it did take a long time yeah. different times well, and in abusive relationships and her mom is a different generation where mm-hmm. you have to stick by your Stand husband by your no matter what bullshit he pulls on you right, how fucking su- drunk and worthless he is yeah. right well maybe her mom was inspired by her feminism too, exactly to yeah get the fuck out of there her mom was really a very positive influence on her so once she had met Kathy Aker at an event and recalled at one point during the meeting, quote, Aker asked me why writing was important to me. And I said, because I felt like I'd never been listened to and I had a lot to say. And she said, then why are you doing spoken word? No one goes to spoken word shows. You should get in a band. Thanks, it's Kathy Aker. Still kind of true. Yeah. Nobody has a spoken word. If you want your message to be spread across, girl, get your ass in a band. Yeah. So Kathleen took this advice and she started up a few bands such as Amy Carter and Viva Knievel. These bands only lasted for short stints, mostly going on quick tours or performing at her art space. She finally connected with fellow college students Toby Vale and Kathy Wilcox, who already had a band, but they were looking for a lead singer. That's where Kathy Kathleen came in. And where where was this? Was this, this Washington? Yes, this okay. was in state. Yeah, yep, Washington this was in Olympia, state. Washington State. And once they added their friend and guitarist Billy Karen, they had formed Bikini Kill. And in case you're wondering, Billy is a dude, which sometimes they would get flack for. But but there's always kind of like one dude. A lot of times, yeah. A lot of these bands, there was like one dude just chilling in the back. Hole and he was, was just the happy same way. There. Even though Hole wasn't really part of the Riot Girl thing, Hole was the same way. Oh, we'll get to Hole. We'll get to Hole. <laughs> so after Bikini Kill gets together, they recorded a demo album on a cassette tape called Revolutionary Girl Style Now, which included songs like Double Daria. This this sounds like, I'm sorry, this sounds like a PBS show. <laughs> Wait, 
revolutionary girl style dowdo. Yeah, it totally sounds like a PBS show. It might be. <laughs> it should be. We're Bikini Kill, and we want revolution girl style now! I've been listening to a lot of Bikini Kill lately, and I feel like such a fucking badass whenever I listen to Bikini Kill. I'm like, I'm a fucking badass woman. Well, Kathleen Hanna was a badass woman. Seriously. God, she had that voice, and just like she wasn't taking shit. It was great. The thing about her voice is that it, it really, she, you can tell she just has something to say. She wants to fucking say it, and she doesn't give a shit. Right? You need to sit there and listen to sit what the she's... the fuck down. Exactly. She's talking. Exactly. Listen to what Kathleen Hanna has to say. She's <laughs> fucking talking to you. So they also created a zine that was called Bikini Kill, and they passed those out at shows. They were full of articles of things going on in the movement, future show dates, poems, lyrics, photos, feminist-inspired art, and just, you know, things to educate the reader towards feminism and what would soon to be known as the riot girl movement so here's some fun music trivia time i told you we we're gonna talk about grunge let me get it out of the way <laughs> right so kathleen and toby dated dave Grohl and kurt cobain of nirvana respectively oh what? oh i did know that mm-hmm. kathleen <laughs> dated dave dated Grohl, dave Grohl, and then toby dated i remember kurt. that and then after her, at some point, he dated Louise Post from Veruca Salt. See, I did not know that. Yeah. There we go. That's, that's why time. we come together. We both have little little nuggets of info for you there. Put, put our put minds together. together, you get a fucking linear timeline of there everything. There go. That's how that works. And then we drink, though, and it's gone. Yeah. And then we drink and forget things. <laughs> Sorry. So they were all good friends. Even after they broke up, they still had a very friendly relationship. They even performed together in shows before Nirvana made it really big. So there are actually old posters you can find with Bikini Kill and Nirvana playing together. Kathleen was actually the source for the most famous Nirvana title, Smells Like Teen Spirit. After a night of drinking and spray painting graffiti around town, she wrote Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit in spray paint on his wall. Just because she thought it sounded fucking hilarious. She was hammered. Can you imagine just living in a house where you can just spray paint the fucking walls? Do you remember, yeah, the early 90s where you could just spray paint your walls? I don't. No. (laughs) I was way too young for that shit. (laughs) Well, obviously he loved it, so he used it for the song. And in the documentary, the punk singer, at one point, Kathleen recalls how sweet Kurt was. And one time she was being stalked by an ex, but she was really afraid to tell anybody because she was afraid that they were going to think, oh, she's being an overdramatic feminist. Finally, she tells Kurt, and he totally believed her, 100% stuck up for her, and nobody fucked with it after that. Kurt was kind of an anomaly. He really in was. the grunge scene at this point, because <laughs> it, it was kind of a boys club. It really was. Um... With the exception of Hole, and that, I think, had a lot to do with the fact that Courtney was psychotic. And with Kurt Cobain. And, well, I think she was with Kurt because he was nice to a point where I think he was a pushover. Right. And... Kurt should have never gotten famous. Oh, no. 
no, he could not, not at all. handle fame. No, he could not oh, handle no. fame at all. And uh, I think Courtney saw weakness in him and definitely took advantage oh, of yeah. it. But, but that's, 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 that's that's for another podcast. That's another podcast. We'll, we'll rant and rave about Nirvana and Courtney Love and all that shit some other time. Because we'll go on for days. Uh, that could be a two-parter. <laughs> It's like a 20-parter. <laughs> Just angst alone. Yeah. The band, as well as the Riot Girl movement, planted its roots in Washington State, mainly Olympia. They spent their beginnings doing shows with punk bands like Minor Threat and Fugazi, who, even though they were all male bands, they were pretty progressive when it came to women's rights. Bikini Kill began touring around the country and discovered the movement had a strong following in D.C. as well, which is perfect because that's right where you need to be to protest the laws and politicians that look to stifle feminist issues such as abortion rights and sexual harassment. The Anita Hill shit was getting heated at this point, so Uh, that's where you wanted to be for this shit. Yep. If you were an angry woman, move to D.C. Protest your ass off. They decided to stay in D.C. for a time, actually. There, Kathleen took to stripping as a way to make money. Now, some criticized her for this, but she said that it worked out nicely for her money and schedule-wise. This gave her plenty of time to focus on the band and the movement, and she figured if men were going to fucking ogle at her anyway, she might as well fucking get paid for it. It kind of pisses me off when people criticize women for being strippers. If it's their choice. Yeah. And that's what they want to do, and they're okay with it. Right. They're not being mistreated. They're not being abused in any way. Yeah. What the fuck is the problem? Then I think that's exactly what the problem is. A lot of times, when women do get treated very shitty. Yeah. So but that's but that but you should give a shit more about like, well, are you treated okay there? So Kathleen actually doing this motivated other girls in the riot movement to take the same stance, and they would strip as well. And apparently, a strip club that they went to was the guy was. He was like, I know I got a bunch of Riot Girl on me, so girls working for me. So they were all paid minimum wage and tips. They were actually doing pretty good for strippers, especially in the early 90s. Yeah. So they really took stripping and made it their own shit, which good for you. Yeah. But now that we're in D.C., I'm going to pause on Bikini Kill, and I'm going to enter player two, Bratmobile. Gotcha. The other big-ass band in this movement. Its small beginnings are with Allison Wolf and Molly Newman, who became friends in college. They both had similar upbringings. Allison's mom was a lesbian who brought Allison with her to protests, and Molly was brought up in a family that fought for civil rights. Both women were very passionate about music, but Allison was more into local punk, whereas Molly listened to R&B and hip-hop. So going to the University of Oregon, they had easy access to the punk scene where they saw Kathleen perform with Viva Knievel. They also met Toby when she was giving them her zine Jigsaw. Both experiences inspired them to create a zine of their own called Girl Germs, which was a big fucking zine in the movement. Mm -hmm. So Molly began dating Calvin Johnson of K-Records, a label well-known for helping feminist punk bands get recognized, especially within the Riot Girl movement. But some other artists who have released earlier albums through them were Beck and Modest Mouse. Huh. Yeah, they're still around, still making music. It's good times. Wow. Nice independent label. And where was the space? This was in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Cool. So Molly's relationship with Calvin gave her more of a desire to start a band. So she started to make music with Allison. However, neither of them knew how to play instruments. So they began to take lessons. Despite not being very advanced with their studies, though, they would sing lyrics that they wrote a cappella at frat parties and would call themselves a fake band. <laughs> so it's okay. like they were trying to be a band, but they had no fucking... I don't want to say talent, because they had talent, um, ability? Ability is probably a better word, because they just didn't know how to play the instruments. Right, and possibly not 
uh, the means to get the instruments or right. um, learn them. Right. That was a big complaint in the Riot Girl movement is that a lot of girls want to start bands, but it does cost money and time to fucking start a band. Right. Right. Whereas a zine, it's fucking nothing to do. Right. Calvin asked the girls to perform in a Valentine's Day show along Bikini Kill and some velvet sidewalk. They were real hesitant because they had no fucking experience and they still really didn't know how to play. So Robert Christie of Some Velvet Sidewalk offered to help them prepare by loaning them instruments and practice space. He suggested they listen to the Ramones for inspiration. And upon that advice, Allison later recalled, something in me clicked. Like, okay, if most boy punk rock bands just listen to the Ramones and that's how they write their songs, then we'll do the opposite and I won't listen to any Ramones and that way we'll sound way different. Because <laughs> they were like, well, I don't want to be the Ramones. Right. Well, Typical I mean, white boy punk advice. Just listen to a lot of Ramones, man. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a, a good tack to take is, like, whatever advice you get from the dumb dude over here, do the exact opposite. Which, argue, arguably, Robert's probably a really nice dude. Probably. He did offer to loan them shit. Probably. But it's just that basic white boy advice of, listen to the Ramones. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Okay. So they managed to write five songs for the show, and Allison and Molly rotated between drums, guitar, and vocals, just the two of them for their fucking set. Nice. All right. Um, for what it's worth, maybe they're not the most polished and fanciest fucking band, but shit, the girls worked it. Yeah. They fucking worked. So they decided to go to D.C. with other K-record bands, Beat Happening and Nation of Ulysses. Ulysses? Ulysses. Ulysses. Thank you. Fuck. <laughs> It's one of those words. After a beer, I'm like, how do I say that? Too many S's. That's one of those words I lose after a beer. There's like a handful of words but then per again, beer. Then again, how many times do you have to say Ulysses after you've had a few beers? That's true. I am not a Greek teacher. Unless you're talking about Ulysses S. Grant, which I don't think... Well, I I've know, never heard you go on a rant about him before. Well, now I'm going to start. <laughs> you fucking know Ulysses you, S. Grant. wait. You just fucking wait, wait till the you. next... You wait till St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I'm gonna fucking rail him. <laughs> I have to look up Ulysses X, S. Grant now. God damn it. I mean, I know who he is. I just mean, like, a whole history, so I'm going to tirade. I digress. <laughs> so, Bratmobile. For a time when they were in D.C., they were joined with Jen Smith and Christina Belay, and they recorded their first cassette titled Bratmobile D.C., However, Jen and Christina soon left the lineup to pursue other band projects. Mm-hmm. While in D.C., they were introduced to Aaron Smith, who started off just as a pen pal, but she would eventually become the full-time guitarist for Bratmobile, which put Molly on drums and Allison on lead vocals. So now here we are, Riot Girl punk shows. They're becoming pretty free form, and they try to be welcoming to all women there. Both Kathleen and Allison shared the girls-to-the-front mentality. This meant that the dudes needed to move themselves to the back so the women could have a safe place to enjoy the show. If any guys started any shit, started acting out, show would be stopped so he could either be called out or even kicked out. You know, either way. I they, like that philosophy. Yeah, like if you're being a piece of shit, hey, hey. Get the fuck out. Fucking turn on the lights, stop the show for a second. What are you fucking doing over there? What are you mm-hmm. fucking... Get the fuck out. Fuck you. Don't fucking throw punches. Don't be kicking women. Just fucking be be cool. So yeah. I gotta do. Which hard. isn't that hard to do. It really isn't. Really, dude. It's really not. It's fucking easy to be cool at a show. It really is, though. I do it all the time. It's not hard, you know? Literally all the time. Effortless, almost. It's, to be cool it at a show. Be. My God. 
Who the fuck knew? <laughs> also, many shows had women coming up between songs to share their stories or perform, perform spoken word or poetry. So it was really this weird free form. They kind of took it over and did whatever the fuck they wanted, which was great. And it worked out really well for them. During the summer of 91, Kathleen spent some time creating side bands, The Wonder Twins and Suture. She also helped to make a new mini zine called Riot Girl. So that's that's, a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's She's a busy busy. bitch. They passed those out at shows and it included articles like how to give a cop a flat tire, (laughs) how to rig a postage stamp so it can be reused, and also just decried the general lack of girl power in society. Useful things. I'm very curious to read the how to give a cop a flat tire article. I mean, do you not just run up to the car and stab the tire? What do you do? I know. I, I couldn't find it. And I'm I'm curious if anybody knows it or has it. Send it. Because I'm really... How? <laughs> I would be interested in, in learning that. Seriously. So from there, she started to hold meetups so that she could spread the word beyond her inner circle. She wanted this to get out to everybody. It was for women only and where they could share their stories and they could help each other learn how to play instruments, create art, make zines. Just a nice, again, general great space for women to hang out and empower each other. Wednesday, July 24th, 1991, marked the first Riot Girl meeting with 20 or so in attendance. Which, not bad. That's pretty good. And, fucking and word I mean, of mouth. you can't, at this point, you couldn't just go online and create a Facebook event page. Mm-hmm. For everyone to just and ignore. In, yeah, and invite your entire friends list and have everybody ignore it. Right. No, you actually had to physically get the fuck up and out of your house and print flyers and tell people about it, tell them to tell their friends, stand outside some shows and hand out shit. You actually had to do all of this stuff. By hand. By hand. Yeah. You couldn't just fuck around. So for 20 people to show up, that's pretty good. Seriously. Hey, I would be thankful if any 20 people showed up to any Facebook events. Seriously. (laughs) Oh my God. When I end up with like 20 people, usually it's just birthday. But I'm like, yes. Yeah. I've made it. Yeah. (laughs) I have friends. Yeah, I have friends. (laughs) They weren't too busy to hang out with me today. At the International Pop Underground Convention in Olympia, which was held the weekend of August 20th, Friday night was declared Love Rock Revolution Girl Style Now. Or Girl Night. You know, because... Because the first one is a little bit complicated. Love Rock Revolution Girl Style Now. It's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. And let's just spit it out a little and just call it girl night. Okay. So it kicked off the weekend's festivities. Here Bikini Kill and Bratmobile, along with 15 other all-female bands, played the night away. And here Bratmobile performed songs like Punk Rock Dream Come True. get into a little bit more of the movement, a little less of the music, and kind of talk about how things really progressed in it and affected everyone. So, after the epic summer of 1991, Riot Girl continued to grow in size. It was really fucking hitting the ground running now. They're like, oh shit, women 
girls were in fucking power. Let's fucking just keep it going. So there were more meetings, more zines, more girl bands, more concerts, more protests, like fucking bam, 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 all over the place. And it was still so underground, but they were really catching up steam, which was great because you had groups like the Christian Coalition's Right to Life campaign. Oh, which was great. Heavily underway. And they were really trying at the time to take away the woman's right to choose and would protest at abortion clinics. So, Fantastic. Yeah, because, you know, you know, like when you go to the Planned Parenthood and you got 50 old white people telling you, hey. Holding up signs. With dead fetuses. Baby killer. And, yeah, yeah. Making you feel real good about yourself. And you're like, I just, I just want to get a pap smear. Why the fuck are you yelling at me? All women should get pap smears and Planned Parenthood does it for free. It's bad enough I have to have somebody poking around in there. Fucking my day's not looking great as it is. <laughs> I'm already having a panic attack, so thanks for that, And I guys. would get so pissed because I was on birth control. Yeah, I don't want to get pregnant, but I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Birth control's a treatment for it. So I'd be walking into the clinic and just all these fucking white dudes with signs yeah. in downtown Troy fucking yelling at me. I'm like, dude, I need this to live. Like, Fuck off, man. Let me live. Let a bitch live. Let a bitch live. Don't you have more important things to do? God damn it. Do something more important with your retirement. Or just get out of here and fuck off to the fucking Capitol building or something. Go fuck yourself. I don't care. Go fuck yourself. You know what? Just go home. Just go home. Just get out of here. (laughs) Well, what was nice about the, the Riot Girl movement was that they would show up to the clinics early, like earlier than the fucking protesters so they could be sure the clinics would stay open. And they could escort women Ooh. safely in and out of the clinic so that they idea. didn't get, as, you know, in, show up, up in their face harassed. Show up early, get the good spots. Yup, got the good spots. So then all those angry white men were just across the street going, oh, I wanted that spot. That was going to be my spot to spit on women. <laughs> Some piece of shit. Whatever. I'm not angry. So the meeting's activities would consist, again, creating materials for zines, silk screening, riot girl shirts, which fucking sounds awesome. I want to go to meetings in silk screen shirts. Uh, they went over manuals to create and produce your own records, and they would spray paint female symbols on the sidewalk. They're like, bitches, As rule. you do. As we you should, do. We should take that up again. We should. I just want to spray paint everywhere. I, though I feel like I would just get spray paint all over myself. Also, I feel like the second I put the paint can to the ground whoop 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 that's the sound of the police (laughs) that's That's the the sound that they make yep but primarily it was discussions of the injustices and traumas that they faced girls were encouraged to write on themselves things you know like hearts or stars sometimes words like love or girl or woman or riot girl and they write on their hands on their arms it was a nice way to identify each other too you know you could be out in the mall and see another girl with a bunch of hearts and stars on her hands like Oh, yo, you right, girl? Sup? <laughs> me too. And then you yo, just let me talk to you real creepy, yo. like. I know. You know what? No one talks to anyone that creepy. It's just me. Also, though, they would write words like slut or property if they really wanted to fucking just bring a point home. Mm-hmm. They would say, you know, we want people to, quote, see what they want to see when they look at women. Kathleen actually would do that a lot at concerts. She would just always come out with slut on her stomach or on her chest. Well, it's kind of like owning it. Yeah. Like, okay, you think I'm a slut? Here you go. I'm a fucking slut then. Yeah. I'm going to own it. So now what are you going to call me? Exactly. And that's and that's exactly, you know, they write cunt. They would write anything they could just to say, this is my word now. Go ahead. Call me it. That's yeah. fine. So many saw Kathleen as the leader of Riot Girl. However, she did not want this title. 
It couldn't be denied that she played a key role. She was still managing meetings. She was helping to produce zines. And she was there for the girls when they were in trouble. She would actually tell the girls, yo, if you're in a fucking spot, here's my phone number. Call me. I will pick you up in a heartbeat. And girls would do it. Maybe they'd be on a bad date. Maybe they would be cornered somewhere or stranded and they'd call her up on the payphone. Now, she was doing all of this while she was still doing touring and music with Bikini Kill. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, this shit was taking a big toll on her. I can she imagine. She was pretty fucking That's drained. a lot. And it's it was much harder to do all this stuff yeah. back then. We didn't have the ease of, like, ordering shirts online. No. You had to do all this shit by you yourself. Made... You had to get all your own materials. You had to pay for all this shit. Right. So, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her for not wanting to, t- to own up to... Being the leader, because imagine a what else of, they'd want to fucking throw yeah. on her if she did. Yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. And also, if the movement was gaining traction and gaining popularity, mm-hmm. then people would laser in focus on her. Exactly. And if anything went wrong or there was any kind of criti- criticization, mm-hmm. um, it would be directed at her. Is that a word? I don't think so, but I'm going with it. She <laughs> <laughs> had to say something, didn't you? I was gonna let it go, and I was like... Nope, that's not a word. Criticism. 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 Criticization. I like criticization, though. Um, Yeah, and you know, what sucks is this will 100% come back to bite all of them in the ass. Mm -hmm. Not having a fucking head of this group, not great. It's a leaderless movement. Yeah. And that's... A leaderless movement doesn't go anywhere. And they would argue that they preferred leaderless because everyone's equal, but... What are you going to do when certain situations arise? Like what I'll get into. Because shit does eventually hit the fan as the years progress. Right. So we're getting into 92 at this time. Intentions were starting to rise within some women, you know? Bigger movement, more personalities. Some people have different ideas of what the movement means to them. And again, no leadership. Yeah. So, you know... Some wanted to learn to physically fight back at shows when the guys got to be too much. So they tried to incorporate the help of Ian McKay from Fugazi since he had a history of fighting at punk shows. It's a big thing, I guess. He would, yeah. He was well known to fight. But by this time, he was a pacifist and he refused to indulge them in any violence. So huh. girls had to pretty much just figure it out on their own. All right. The more Bikini Kill performed, the more stories they would have. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. Of course, they'd have some wonderful performances and everybody came together and girls in front. But then, you know, guys are pieces of garbage sometimes. One story is from a night when a bouncer in the punk scene named Michael Cordier was kicked out of one of their shows for aggressively heckling the band. She Wait, the bouncer was kicked out? I guess he wasn't bouncing that night. He was just at the show, but everyone knew him in the yeah. punk scene because usually he was the bouncer. But they made him bounce the fuck out of there. Oh! <laughs> I don't know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he was a piece of shit. He was... Yelling at them. He was, you know, kind of flicking at them. He was just constantly harassing them. a dick. Them. And they actually asked nicely. Then they kicked him out nicely. Then they forcibly kicked him out. Kicked nice. him out. I mean, you know, nicely. Like, it, it, I think... It's it, like, hey, get out. It happened a few that, times out. before he finally was just, get the fuck out or else we're just going to set you on yeah. fire. I don't think anyone else, anyone threatened arson, but that's what I would do. <laughs> After the show, some of the members tried to beat him up in the alley, but he managed to get away. Months later, news broke that he murdered his ex-girlfriend and then killed himself. And this disturbed Kathleen greatly. Uh, yep. 
there were stories like this a lot, though. Not even necessarily exactly like this, but just stories of women in the movement and in the punk scene getting raped, getting really fucking severely injured in beatings. So was his was this was his girlfriend or his wife? His ex girlfriend. So was he, the ex part of this movement? I don't think she was, but he definitely was in the punk scene. Gotcha. I, maybe she was part of the punk scene too. But he, you know, went to her, her house, killed her, went back to his house, killed himself. Huh. Yeah. And But this stalking was not uncommon. Beatings were not uncommon. Rape was not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And just stories like this would add up and just Kathleen, on top of being just exhausted, was just emotionally drained with all these things. Also, one time over the summer, their roadie got jumped. So... She was getting freaked out at this point because yeah. she had a close connection to all of these stories. So after a while, the girls up front motif wasn't just to be woman friendly. It was actually to keep the band safe because they started to worry about themselves. Yeah. They started to worry if there were dudes up front, maybe they'll hit her. Maybe they'll stab him. You don't fucking know what some of these guys are going to do because you hear all these crazy stories and you hear more and more and more. You start to get paranoid. Right. So they were like, no, nah, I want girls up front because girls aren't going to fuck with me. Right. So... It, it, it must be weird because it's like she's getting paranoid, understandably, and she's stressed. So it's, it's a lot. So this is building up. And on top of all of this, there was also a lot of political tension in the air. There was a lot riding on the election in 1992. It was Bush versus Clinton, in case you didn't know. I don't know how old you are listening right now. Uh, the conservative right was fighting real hard to keep the government right-leaning. Between the president, between the Senate, between... The Supreme Court, everything. They were like, nope, this needs to stay conservative. It needs to stay Christian. It needs to just fucking not change. And what was funny is Clinton wasn't even that popular of a candidate at first. Mm -hmm. So one could say, y'all, maybe you should have just stepped back for a hot second and just kind of let it. You would have won, but I'm glad you didn't. That was good. That was good on you to fucking worry your little heads. Yeah. And you know that saying, history repeats itself? It's, yeah. It sounds ridiculously familiar. But why does history repeat itself so fucking quickly? I Can I have a so fucking frequently. break? <laughs> this shouldn't happen three times in my lifetime, but whatever. Yeah. So the activist group Positive Force wanted to throw a protest against the right wing, against all of the shit that they've been pulling. So they decided to ask Fugazi to perform at it. So it's going to be like this protest and Fugazi perform mm-hmm. and, and they would try to pass along the strong message of, hey, we're not going to take your shit. Right. Now, Ian McKay suggested bikini kill play as well, since a lot of these issues did affect women directly. Right. And despite the rest of the band kind of saying, I'm I'm a little nervous that people are going to think this is a concert, not a protest, they all decided to let the girl group come aboard anyway. They were like, you know what? It's fine. This, This makes sense. However, right off the bat, there was conflict over what the message should be. Positive Force wanted it to be about the presidential election, whereas Riot Girl wanted it to be about women's rights. In the end, nobody was satisfied because the stage banner just said, turn off your TV, which arguably <laughs> makes no sense and no one Wait, really we, could explain it. <laughs> you can look up clips from this, from at least Bikini Kill and I think Fugazi performing at the show. And there's just a performing from this banner that says, turn off your TV. 
But that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, just no one could fucking come up with anything. So at the last minute, like, fucking turn off your TV. I don't fucking know. That's that's how that. So moral of the story is, kids, uh, get your shit together. Yeah, it's just Put it in a bag. Get your shit together. So the day of the protest, Bikini Kill played first with the usual girls in front, and here Bikini Kill played songs very well known, especially Rebel Girl. So, you know, they play all their set, and you can tell in some of the clips, too, Kathleen's just tired and pissed off. Yeah, her voice is very flat. Yeah, she's just, she's so fucking, she's over it. Yeah. Not even, she's just, there's so much going on with her right now, and I I feel for her like that. Yeah. So, once they were done, Fugazi took the stage, and at that point, the boys in the crowd tried to move up front. The girls attempted to lock arms and band together, but the guys were way too strong, and all the girls end up being crushed and separated. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for including women in the show. That's great. Fortunately, the power went out at that point for about 15 minutes, and which was plenty of time for the girls to kind of get the fuck out of there, regroup into the back, and they were fucking pissed. <laughs> So the show goes on, the boys start moshing violently, per usual, and the girls decided to form a circle around them, and it quickly turned to violence because boys were trying to break the circle, and at one point one girl's just fucking done, and she punches a guy in the face. And, and so Good no one guys- her. Right? Like, <laughs> like, these guys are coming up, trying to fuck with them, and they're like, you know what? No, I'm punching you in the face. Yeah. Now, of course, Ian McKay of Fugazi only sees the women's side of it punching the men, and now that he's all pacifist, he's yelling at them, saying, hey, knock it off. What are you doing? Don't fight. Blah, blah, blah. So he neglects to see the men moshing violently? You don't this say. This whole time? You don't say. Interesting that he's blind to that part. Yeah, but then when a woman punches a man, oh, now I'm really upset. Yeah. Yeah. So this, of course, only managed to agitate them to the point of super pissed. I actually wrote super pissed in my notes because I didn't <laughs> know pissed. how else to explain this because I was super pissed. Fugazi has a couple songs about female assault and it's in the defense of the women. You know, they're trying to see things from their angle, which is good. Right. I, I remember them being um, like a relatively pro women's rights. Yes. They were band. very much, very much for them and very much for their cause. And so they wrote some songs. However, some of the riot girls didn't really appreciate it and saw it as appropriation. So, at one point, they began to play one such song called Reclamation, and Allison Wolf was backstage watching from the side, and she was like, no, fucking done. <laughs> fucking over it. So, she takes a tampon out of her snatch and just throws it right at Ian and walks off, which wait, Ian wasn't too happy about wait, that. Wait, what? She was in a band. She, oh, I'm sorry, Allison Wolf of Bratmobile. Okay. I know, there's... A, because I like to throw for the record, I am throwing a lot of names out there. I am giving you 25% of the names yeah. that were in the books and interviews that I've Because I rem- I remember, like, that became, like, a thing. Like, w- women started doing that. 
Oh, I didn't know that was like a thing thing. Yeah, because I... Or I guess would it have always been a thing? Because if you're really mad, why don't you start a tampon at them? But I I remember a long time ago um, reading an article about L7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lead singer of L7 at one point was being heckled on stage for some reason or another Mm -hmm. um, around this same time. Yeah. And it was like during a festival, I think. And, you know, fucking dudes in the pit or whatever heckling her. Hey, fucking women suck. So basically she stopped the show, took her tampon out, threw it in the crowd, walked off the stage. And I'm like, fuck yes. She's done. I don't blame her. When I was a kid, I was like, ew, that's gross. And now that I'm older and I know better, I'm like, I wish I had the balls to do that. I wish any dude that just pissed me off walking down the street could just rip a tampon and throw it in the face. That'll fucking show you. Don't fucking cat call me. You'll get a bloody tampon in your face. Do it. I dare you. If you can't handle this conversation right now, (laughs) I think you're at the wrong podcast. Sorry, not sorry. Right? (laughs) So the summer of 92 also saw... The first Riot Girl convention in D.C., mm-hmm. which is super exciting. There were approximately 200 attendees, and it filled. It was filled with panels where women would discuss different issues. They were loving it. They were so excited about this. There were performances by Bratmobile and the Frumpies, but not Bikini Kill because they were kind of more focused on actually running the event than playing any. Yeah, of their that would be too songs. much. And again, Kathleen's probably at this point saying, "I ca- I can't do all of it." So she she took the movement, which was good. Good for her. Overall, it went great until they got to the panel about racism. Oh, no. Let's take this hot moment. Because honestly, Riot Girl was not great about being all inclusive. Oh, it was a whole lot of white women. Not just a whole lot of white women. Whole lot of middle upper middle class white women by the end. Who had the means to be able to do things like this. At the beginning, it was definitely... Poor white chicks just trying to put their message across. But by the end, we'll get to it. Yeah, definitely. It was this real type of chick. Yeah. But women of color wanted to be included. They wanted to be a part of this. And so in this panel, women of color were running it. And they were trying to explain how white women were also oppressors. Guess who this didn't sit well with? All of the white chicks, which you is 95% of the attendees. You don't say. Turned into a huge argument. Well, I mean, this is still a problem now. Yes. Um, with Especially with, like, the Me Too movement and everything. Even though it is successful and it is a catalyst for people hearing about sexual harassment and all that stuff that's happening now. Right. It is very exclusive. It is very much a white women's movement, and women of color are not being represented. They really aren't. Uh, There are some attempts, which is good, but overall... There's attempts, and they're... Like, for a good example, is everybody gave the whole hashtag Me Too thing to Mm -hmm. fucking Alyssa Milano. (sighs) Which, no. She she didn't create that. It was created a year ago by a woman of color. Yeah. And everyone was giving it to Alyssa. And I fell into that trap, too, by sharing shit about that on Facebook. And then, like, a day later, it's like, no, she didn't start this. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm an idiot. But it's on the internet. It has to be yeah, true. Yeah, right? It has to be true. There's a lot of conflicting truths on the internet. Well, just because it's an article written by The Atlantic doesn't mean that it's true. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise. 
<sighs> well, so this was a disaster, of course. And the women of color were very upset. They just wanted a dialogue. They just wanted to talk. And of course, the white chicks were like, no, no, we're Which not is so it. fucking stupid. And Kathleen was just as pissed off as the women of color because Kathleen will 100% admit I'm totally guilty of this and I want to talk about it and I want to fix it. And I think that's where it's good to be. And I think that's where we're getting to now. I think a lot more women are getting to, I know this is a problem. Help me learn how to fix it. Yeah. Kathleen was way before her fucking time because yeah. white girls were not about to hear that they were oppressors when yeah. they're talking about how they're oppressed. Yeah. So... That kind of put a big black stain on it, um, just the whole weekend, and especially for Kathleen. Uh, also, lesbians felt like outsiders, because while most of the girls did identify as bi, it kind of seemed to be more of a trendy label than anything they actually identified with, because these girls would say, oh my god, I'm bi, I'm bi, and they'd be like, oh, I'm gonna kiss my friend on the cheek, oh, I love girls, yeah. and then they'd have nothing but boyfriends. Right. Which, that's not to say you can't be bi and have a bunch of boyfriends, but it was the lesbians of the movement were trying to make their cause a part of it, and, and it was really getting pushed down. And it's it's difficult to make your sexuality part of the movement if there's a lot of people in the movement that are just on that sexuality bandwagon for attention. Yes. Or just to have that label so that they can look cooler. Right. Because I... Everyone experiments with sexuality when they're in college and right out of college and stuff like that. But it's one thing to know your sexuality and be comfortable enough to be loud and proud with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And a whole different thing when you are out and loud and proud about it, but it's not really real and you're just saying it for attention. Right. And maybe they were doing that because they wanted the movement to be more popular and they wanted people to hear it more, but... um, And also, too, it was a lot of younger girls, and I think it's very true that when you're a younger woman... You are, you're not quite sure where your place is, so maybe you think you're bi, and you're not meaning any yeah. harm by it, but you're kind of saying, oh, I'm bi, I'm bi, I'm bi, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not, and yeah. that's fine. You don't have to be anything but yourself. But probably the worst of everything was the media. Some outlets showed up to cover the event, but the girls didn't know how to handle them because there was no face to the movement. There was nobody leading. There was nobody willing to step up and say, I am willing to be the head and tell everybody, this is how we handled the media. This is how, let me talk to them. Right. Nobody did that. So they would talk to random girls and, of course, misquote them. Of course. And, of course, the result turns into a very condescending article about how they're teen angsters and punkettes. And they'd use phrases like, watch out, boys. The girls are coming. Girls are angry, angry girls. I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing the Liz Lemon eye roll. I think you lost your left eye. I can't see it anymore. It's, it's there it is. Coming there back. it is. It came back. It came back. It just, it took a hot second. Ugh. That was a good eye roll right there. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good eye roll. That one hurt. <laughs> and of course, they focused on the dress code. Because at this point, the Riot Girls were starting to take on a bit of a quote-unquote dress code. You know, the Doc Martens and the skirts or the black dresses, the cutesy yep. dresses, but then the combat boots and then the shaved head or the half-shaved head, the black hair. It, it, very much, you know, the unshaved armpits. Right. There, there was a certain look that they've decided to associate with the movement. Right. So, 
they focused on that more than you know the actual what fact are you that wearing? women are on a, you know what are you wearing women are treated like shit so after this not after this immediately but comes the decline <laughs> the decline will soon come and here it is after the convention Kathleen took a noticeable backseat in the movement it was cited that she was frustrated after the disastrous racial panel and uncomfortable with the level of celebrity that she was receiving. Fangirling at concerts, and it was just not something she was comfortable with or used to. And there were also things that she had said in confidence that were getting back to her shows, and she was like, everybody fucking knows who I am now. Yeah. And I can't fucking have this. I'm done. <laughs> Movement gains more momentum after the articles come out, so more girls join, and with no leaders... Divisions began. Right. Of course. So a lot of things would be the original matured members versus newer, younger members, loud and dorky members versus cool and fashionable members, fat or ugly versus skinny or pretty. It it started to become these really bizarre, almost classist diversions in the group. Like there were cliques. Yeah. I don't know why I can't say the word diversions right now. (laughs) I don't think I ever could, though. There was also this, some unspoken questions like, how oppressed are you? Some girls felt that if you didn't have as traumatic a past as others, that you didn't deserve to be paid attention to. Trauma became a commodity. How mean are you to your boyfriend? You know, you don't treat your boyfriend that nice because he's still a guy. You know, did that guy say something sexist? Let's beat him the fuck up. It turned from this movement that was claiming not to be anti-man, but pro-woman, into kind of anti-man for some people. Yeah. It, it really was this hitting is... this level of fuck men, women are better, and you need to have been gone through some terrible shit or else you're not going to fucking get it. Yeah. And this, people, is, yeah. this is like the time when the term feminazi became popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get extremists in everything. Right. There's, in every single thing in this world, you're going to get people who take it way too fucking far. There's people who see, oh, we're going to start this movement. It's going to be great, but we're not doing enough. Let's fucking kick it into 12th gear. And we're going to fucking just go way over everybody's heads with right. it. And Which, it ruins it for everybody yeah, else. It this is why we can't have nice things. It doesn't help at no. all. It just, it ruins whatever good name you're trying to cultivate. And had gotten up until that point. And then you get the extremists. And it's it's really just like Islam. Yeah. You have the extremists, which is what everybody focus on yeah. because they're extremists. And they're the ones that are most vocal. And everyone instantly associates Islam with the is the crazy people that are suicide bombing everything. Right, right. When that's not that's not that's a, a fair representation a of, Islam of Islam as a whole. It is the tiniest little minutest little fraction of yeah. the religion, but that's what people focus on and because that's what's gaining attention. That's what's getting attention. That's what the media is focusing on, so that's what everybody else is going to focus on. And it's ridiculous. And it's it's unfair. It's yeah. very unfair. And and the same thing happened here too. Um, eventually Spin Magazine came out with an article and it completely missed the point of Riot Girl. Spin missed the point of something? <laughs> what? I know. That doesn't I happen. Know. 
<laughs> no, it's so surprising. They put out this big political issue because it was 92, and they were mm. really trying to get kids to vote. So yeah. this is how they're going to do it, by talk, having a whole issue talking about political issues. The article was titled, Teenage Riot After the Sonic Youth Song. Mm. And the subheader read, Revolution is in the air, and yes, it smells like teen spirit. Oh, fucking gag me, please. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was the way, oh, they were. It is hilarious ugh. how even more than now, the media was tone deaf back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. They they, they wrote their deaf. own narratives. I mean, oh, they still God. do, but shit, media's always been writing their own narratives. Oh, yeah. And even worse, the picture for the article wasn't any Riot Girls at all. It was just some model that they hired. She's wearing a beat-up t-shirt with the words Riot Girl written on her oh arms. Oh, my God. So, understandably, the girls were pissed. Yeah. As they should be. So, they decided... They were going to go on an unofficial media blackout. Don't fucking talk to the media. They would ring the headquarters and no one would answer. They'd answer and tell them to fuck off. They were not about it. But it, it, it begs the question, if there's no leader, who's making these decisions? Bingo. So it was never really clearly stated that they were on a strict no talking to media policy. Because again, no leader. Right. So... Here's the thing, too, to add, that some didn't really agree with the blackout. Some thought, no, let's talk to them and tell them what the movement is. While others would say, no, even when we talk to them, they still fuck with what we do. I was was just going to say that. Like, even if you do talk to them, they're going to misconstrue everything you say and misquote it and interpret it in the wrong way. Because they're fucking clearly doing that already. Exactly. They're going to keep doing it. So this was a huge recipe for disaster because you'd have someone in agree... Some who didn't really know if there was a blackout. And, of course, you get some girls who just kind of really want the attention. Right. So that's fun. Enter Newsweek. They managed to talk to a few of the girls. Within the article, every positive statement would just be followed up by some patronizing generalization. (laughs) Thanks, Newsweek. Because they didn't understand. And they would talk to these girls who didn't... A lot of them were the newer girls. There were some older girls, but... A lot of our newer girls who didn't even fully understand the origins of the movement or right. what it really was about. It kind of turned into what they thought the movement was about. But probably the biggest faux pas was when they dubbed Courtney Love as Riot Girl's patron saint. Oh, uh, no. Yep. No. <laughs> okay, yeah. She passed out a zine here and there, and she did offer to host a meetup at her place once, but... It was under the stipulation that Kathleen Hanna was kicked out of the group. Also, it was commented that when she offered that, she was probably very high. Oh, because Courtney Love is always high. Fucking right. Courtney Love has been high since around 1987. Straight through till now. (laughs) And like Courtney Love even says all the time she fucking hates the Riot Girl movement. Well... Sometimes she would say she'd hate it, and then sometimes she'd be like, I love it, because she's Courtney fucking love, and she's crazy. And she's bonkers. She's bonker pants. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm... Because Courtney love taints everything that comes into her path. I don't give a fuck. Everything. You know what? Come for me. <laughs> if you love Courtney love, and you're mad at what I'm saying, come for me. I don't think I've ever met anybody that loves Courtney love. Love's making fun of her. Right. Yeah. 
just yeah. fucking mess. And oh. I'm, oh, Oh, she but makes like, me so angry. But the, and I've been drinking, so now I'm angrier. But, like, the thing is, she's become one of those people where it's just, like, every time she opens her mouth, I just look at her and go, ah, oh, Courtney Love. Why? Why? <laughs> You're so entertaining, and yet you have no place on this planet. <laughs> the universe chose poorly. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and the media chose poorly when they decided to make her the face of the movement, because no. <sighs> no. And no. she's not. She's not, and, and, and they, oh, girls were pissed. And I Again, remember when girls I was, were pissed. When I was young, and I, like, vaguely knew what this was, I was always under the impression that she was part of it. Right, because, because what do you know? Right, what do I know as, you know, a 12-year-old? And also, you know, she was the biggest female grunge uh, musician mm-hmm. at the time, and I always associated... The Riot Girl movement with grunge. Right. Always. And I didn't have cable, so I didn't know what the fuck any of that shit was. <laughs> I had PBS. Also, another terrible thing about this article was that they published information about Bikini Kill and Kathleen that was never meant to put it, be put out for the world to read. Like what? Like Kathleen's past as a stripper and her sexual abuse. Because while Kathleen was proud of her stripperness, like she didn't look at it as a taboo, and she would vaguely bring up her sexual abuse as a child she never really wanted a fucking magazine to post it because her family is still all alive right she was mortified i would be too like who the fuck are you to put my fucking information out there there were pictures that they were like who the fuck got this picture they they were fucking so skeeved out bikini kill was so creeped out that people were talking all their fucking secrets yeah the fuck so they were oh that's it it's it kathleen was done <laughs> that she is was it that's i have it. had it she is done <laughs> professionally <laughs> so not only was she outraged all of her secrets were out without her permission but even worse than that her friends from the movement didn't reach out to her after the article came out they didn't say, hey, are you okay? I see all this shit that you don't want to get out got out. And your family's all still alive. Hey, how are you doing? Because she shut herself off completely. And nobody reached out and said, hey, what's up? Which, Which is fucked up. That's the exact opposite of the point of the exactly. And 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 at this point, you can really just see such a difference in the movement. So the band, on top of all of that, was starting to receive just violent, shitty hate mail. Awesome. Even, even from women. Crates. You can't see this, but I'm doing a thumbs up with a shitty grin on my face <laughs> because fuck. God damn it. Women supporting women. Thanks. Sometimes band members would get hit for not playing certain songs or denying a fan a hug at a concert. So a fan would be like, hey, play this song. They'd be like, oh no. And they just hit them. Because they owed the fans. You owe them. Owe them what? I don't fucking know. (laughs) So at this point, Kathleen just started to do more production work with other artists. She worked on an album with Joan Jett. Mm -hmm. Her and Joan Jett worked together for a while. And she helped write the song Go Home on Joan Jett's album Pure and Simple. After she had heard the lead singer of The Grits, Mia Zapata, was raped and murdered. Because women are still getting raped and murdered. Yep. So going back to Bratmobile, our friends over on the other side, they were always a low-intensity band. 
And so they took a hiatus in 92 because school, internships, mm-hmm. all this shit, they're finished up. They got back together and recorded the album Potty Mouth with songs like Cool Schmool. <laughs> I, I guess it. <laughs> it's real cute it's a real fun song they're fun the band was torn on the media blackout Allison agreed with it while Molly and Aaron kind of thought it'd be a better idea for them to talk from time to time because they wanted to get more commercial success it's like yeah I'm part of Riot Girl, but at the same time we're a fucking band they understood the business end of things whereas Allison was really seeing it more for the message right and so I see both sides. Yeah, I can see I'm, both sides. I'm kind of torn on it too because I understand you you don't want to talk to the media because you don't want your words mer- misconstrued. Merch with your prayer. Like, like that. <laughs> you don't want your words misconstrued. They're not three beers, Steve. We are. <laughs> I'm not three. I had a whole tray of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Just a mess. But at the same time, it you kind of want to talk to them because you want to be understood but at the same time on the other other hand if you talk to them they're just going to misconstrue your words even more yeah so what the fuck do you do it's a catch-22 at that point right and it doesn't help that you have two opposing sides right i think if they had all agreed on one side or the other then you can all own two right it's great because that's just gonna put you know a whole rift into the whole movement so i can say words (laughs) I'm going to look at my papers so I don't look at you anymore. (laughs) So I don't laugh. All right. At this point in Riot Girl, faces were quite different. And arguably, so were the girls. They were holding a small show at an art gallery in New York City. And they asked Bratmobile to play at it. Now, at this point, the band hadn't played together in a bit. So they weren't super prepared. Molly was flying in on a red eye. So that's always fun from California. Allison coming from DC. Allison and Aaron were coming from DC on a bus. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not as big a deal. However, Allison was being made fun of on the bus by other Riot Girl members. Why? They were throwing shade like, "Oh, look at her." Oh, they they didn't have respect for the original members anymore. They kind of thought they were, I guess, fuddy duddies or some shit. It you know, doesn't even make sense. Right? They were just. They Girls were these younger... Are so vicious sometimes, are and fucking... I don't understand. It's it's all from a place of insecurity, whatever. You know, no, fuck that. Sometimes people are just shitty. No, someti- sometimes there's just a lot of assholes out there. Sometimes there's a lot of assholes. So, all three of the bandmates show up on, their, on edge, because mm-hmm. they're just, you know, red eyes, being made fun of, just everybody's done. And then the show itself was overcrowded and pretty rough. And one of the mean girls from the bus, whose name was Cindy, was being harassed by a dude when she was working the merch table. They got into a fight. And so the venue tried to kick her out. But then she said, no, it wasn't me. This guy started it. And the venue's like, all right, well, let's find the fucking guy then. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't find him, of course. Of course. But she remembered that at Riot Girl Punk shows, women could go up and talk on the mic. So she goes up to Allison, gets her attention, says, hey, this happened to me. 
Will you let me get up on stage and talk? Now, Allison is at this crossroads. There's a Denny's on one end and an IHOP on the other. (laughs) Her bandmates were fucking done. But she knows if she doesn't let this girl come up, what the fuck is the point? Right. So she lets the girl come up. She lets Cindy get up there. She asks. Nobody sees the dude. Okay. But the problem was, Cindy keeps coming up between songs and keeps asking, hey, where's this guy? Where's this guy? And it's really disturbing the set. Understandably. It's, it's not the kind of show that... The, the shows aren't what they used to be. It's not that kind of, I can get up there and talk. And it's not even like she's doing yeah. any pros. She's just trying to find some piece of shit asshole. Right. Who probably already left at this point. Probably. If nobody's seen him at this point, probably left right after he got into a fight. Exactly. Because so, he knew people were going to be looking for him. Yup. Because he's at a fucking Riot Girl exactly. show. And he was a dick. So, who else happened to be there but Joan Jett? Really? Yep. She was there for the art show and for the Riot Girl movement, you know, being with... She just really respected them. So she went. And of course, she comes on stage, too. And now she's on stage, but she's telling Cindy, fucking knock it off. Stop coming on stage. You're ruining the show. (laughs) And then she looks at Allison and tells her, girl, stand up for yourself. Stand your ground. Tell her she can't come up anymore. Like, this clearly isn't an issue. She's disrupting the show. Allison just breaks down. You know... She's done. I... I understand Joan Jett's uh, deal here, Mm -hmm. but also that's kind of embarrassing. Right. It's like your mom coming up and saying, sweetie, sweetie, just sing a little louder. Just stand up for yourself. Sweetie, don't let this girl push you over. (laughs) You're better than this. (laughs) Which, I mean, fuck, I wish Joan Jett was my mom. Granted, if Joan Jett was my mother saying that, I'd be like praising her like I'm not worthy. (laughs) <laughs> the girls did arguably say, you know, for what it's worth, it was pretty baller to have Joan Jett acting as a mom to us. Yeah, yeah, true. But with Allison just bawling her fucking eyes out on stage, Molly had had it, threw her drumsticks, said I fucking quit on stage. Oh, wow. And it was just like total chaos for a bit. And then Joan convinced everybody to come back on stage, just finish your fucking set. But that was it. Done. done. They they did their set and then they were they all went their separate ways. So really, the movement. This was this was the beginning of the end. You know, at this point, the members of Riot Girl had turned against the likes of Kathleen and Allison, saying that they were microphone privileged. Oh, they get to say what they want because they have mics and they have bands, and we can't afford to make a band and blah blah. blah. No, arguably, there are a lot of stories about how these girls are upper middle class white girls that they did have money and they would talk right. about having money, and then all of a sudden they wouldn't have money. Right. And the problem of inclusiveness, huge by the end. Like I said, it's middle class white girls. And they thought you kind of had to look and act a certain way to be a riot girl because they missed the point. Right. Which, they didn't have a leader. Who was there to tell them what the point was? Right. So, you can give and take a little bit on blame. And at that point, there were so many uh, fractions and cliques within the movement and everybody had their own idea of what what was right. And you have these girls who say they can't afford to start a band, so they do everything through zine, which is great, but it's also not... Arguably, music might have been a stronger way to get the message across. But at this point, your bands that you had getting your message across were done with you. Right. So the zines weren't making as much movements, and it was expensive to fucking run this shit, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a zine wasn't expensive, but it wasn't cheap. Hence why they taught people to reuse stamps. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it was just a lot of just chaos by the end of it. 
Overall, I'd say the media had picked apart Riot Girl from the outside, but they picked themselves apart from the inside. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the media fucking made them look like clowns, but they couldn't just fucking come together and see through their differences and just fucking make it work. And it was fucking frustrating. They had no master strategist to keep them on course, but probably if someone tried, they would have been torn down because the group always fought hierarchy. Yeah. So but it if, just, it's, it's like, it's like a fucking, just a glass cage of emotions. I mean, they don't really even need a leader. They just need a mouthpiece. Exactly. It, it, you didn't even need anybody dictating what to do and what to say and what to wear to everybody. You just needed somebody who would talk to the media, mm-hmm. who knew the basic principles of the movement and what everybody wanted to do, mostly as a whole. Right. To just get that point across and their refusal to not have that really did them in. Yeah. There were women that did try to become mouthpieces. Maybe not in the best ways. Maybe not for the best reasons. But any but at, woman that tried to be a mouthpiece fucking threw them out of the club. Yeah, but at that point it was it was like, well, we want to do whatever we want. Right. So why it's, would it we so, want to have somebody... It was somebody... so segregated at that yeah. point, as far as beliefs go. Yeah, why would they want to have one person telling them what to do if they can do whatever the fuck they want? Right. Yeah, it's it, it's it's disappointing. Um, as far as the bands go, though, you know, Bikini Kill does eventually break up. And Kathleen did a solo album called The Julie Ruin, which was a way to deal with everything that built up inside of her. Instead of singing to asshole dudes, she wanted to sing to women. About the shit she's been through, about the shit she knows they've been through, and it was really cathartic for her. Later down the line, she would start the band La Tigra, who which is I love. Fabulous. I, that was a huge part of my uh, college experience. That was, was a La huge Tigre. part of me when I lived in New York City because I yeah. didn't really hear La Tigra till I started playing roller <laughs> derby. I am not gonna lie, I didn't hear about most of the shit till I played roller derby. Yeah, but you know that's why go play roller derby, then you'll learn some cool shit. You learn or some listen things. to our podcast. You got two choices here, guys. <laughs> Pick one. The easiest one is listening to our podcast. Oh, roller derby's fun. Uh, but Latigra keeps the feminist ideals alive. It just kind of has a fun dance beat this time, which is great. It does. It's very dancey. I danced a lot. Well, no, I didn't dance a lot. I bobbed my head a lot. Yeah, too, I bobbed around a lot. <laughs> I bumped around a lot. Um, and just briefly to touch on it, Kathleen did have to deal with an unknown illness for years that they eventually discovered to be a late stage Lyme disease. Oh, wow. Yeah. You can see all about that in the documentary, The Punk Singer. It, oh, it's rough. Poor fucking I've heard shit. very good things about oh, that documentary. Oh, it's so good. I've seen and it like I, three or four times I now. I completely forgot about it. I should really watch that. It's very good. But after she finally gets diagnosed, she finally gets everything together, and she restarts a new group called the Julie Ruin. Because <laughs> she really liked that name. And she's it's still performing name. with them now. Mm-hmm. They actually put out an album in 2016. And she, again, addresses a lot of the shit she went through as a child. Wait, is La Tigra still, still around, isn't it? Not really. Okay. Um, they all kind of went they off and did their yeah, own thing. Yeah, they haven't put anything I, out I believe... I want to say in like 2013 or 2014, they did a little bit of like a mini reunion tour, but Kathleen is mostly focusing on the Julie Ruin, gotcha. which is still great music, kind of dancey. I'd mm-hmm. highly suggest listening to it. Bratmobile actually got back together in 1999. Wow. Right? They went on a small tour with Sleater Kinney. And in 2000, they released the album Ladies, Women, and Girls. And in 2002, they released the album Girls Get Busy. 
I don't know why I said it like that. Probably because I'm three beers deep. (laughs) But after that, they did go their separate ways again. And it wasn't nearly as volatile as the last time. It wasn't even a formal breakup. They just never really got back together. And in 2004, Allison said, for lack of a better term, yeah, they were broken up. Hmm. So, yeah. But they, I think they all still are pretty civil with each other. So that's good. So, you know, the music's still kind of alive. Despite the shortcomings of this movement, I think it's important to remember its original intent. It was to bring women together and to make us stronger. I'd like to end on the last line of the Riot Girl Manifesto published in the Bikini Girl Zine 2 in 1991. And it is, quote, Because I believe with my whole heart, mind, body that girls constitute a revolutionary soul force that can and will change the world for real. I am. And that's fucking, just fucking be good to each other. What the fuck? I'm not even, ugh. like, I feel like I went from being sad to sadder to just really pissed off now and frustrated. Well, the the really frustrating thing about this whole movement is that it was a feminist movement that was not brought down by men or anybody outside bringing them down. They brought, they brought themselves down. down. Yeah, and it's... They imploded I mean, from within. Granted, the media definitely can go fuck itself. Well, yeah, the media didn't do anything to help. Right. But I feel like people within the movement itself did more damage... Oh, yeah. ...than the media did. Because they couldn't trust each other, and they couldn't just open up to each other completely. Right. <sighs> and it's not like... It's really not like this was a crazy popular movement that the media was covering constantly that you couldn't stop hearing about. It wasn't like that. So it's not like the media was completely ruining their message or anything. And it's it's really frustrating. Which is the exact opposite of what they were trying to do. What are you doing? You're trying to bring women together. Yeah. You're trying to have, you know, equal rights for women and just have your voices heard and you can't even listen to each other. Yeah. That's... And it didn't fucking help that there was no central leader. Yeah, Kathleen Hanna was, like, the most well-known member. But... But she didn't want to be, you know, the, the leader of the whole yeah. thing. She didn't want that. So that it's, didn't help things. No, and it's it's just... It's frustrating. Because all of this shit is still so relevant. Yeah. Granted, I think um, the women's movement now... Is a little more organized. Right. Granted, there there really is still no central head. No. But it's such... With the internet, I feel like there doesn't necessarily have to be. Right. And that was another thing, too, with the Riot Girl movement. With the internet becoming a thing in the mid to late 90s, they, the zines, the music, it, it wasn't as... Yeah. And they could also... pass their message through message boards, but then shit yeah. could be construed. And now, fuck, we have trolls and shit. Guys, don't feed the trolls. That's all you gotta do. Walk away. Yeah. It's not hard. But also now, I think um, there's more of an undertone of don't destroy each other. Don't tear each other down. Right. Because that doesn't help. No. You know, there was was not that message back in the early 90s. It was, it, there just wasn't anything like that. But now it's like, women tearing other women down doesn't help anything. It makes it worse. And I feel like I have been seeing a lot more women, and maybe this is thanks to the internet, who knows, standing up for each other more. 
Right. Saying like, hey, you know, don't fucking body shame this chick. Hey, you know, yeah, maybe she said that, but let's have a, let's have a dialogue. That's what I think the biggest problem in any movement is nowadays is that we love to grab our torches and pitchforks and fucking destroy people. Yeah. Let's have a dialogue. Let's have a conversation. Where are you coming from? Where am I coming from? Blah, blah, blah. This fucking just lynch mentality is not good. And there are more women, women. (laughs) There was what? (laughs) There are more women (laughs) who are fighting against that. Which is good. Yeah. And and hopefully we can learn from our mistakes of the past and move on. Yeah. I mean, I'm very glad that this happened. Yeah. Um, it needed to happen. And if anything, we got some baller music out of it. Right. It was it was a good time for it to happen, even if it like just blew up in everybody's faces. <laughs> and I mean there are apparently still meetings, so yeah. something. But- the the effects of the Riot Girl movement are still being felt. They yes. never went away through the whole 90s, through the whole early 2000s. They never went away. And Kathleen Hanna and all these women are still around. Yeah, and they're still doing things. They're still working. Now some of them are journalists. Now some of them are photographers. They're still doing music. Right. They're still having a presence, yeah, which is important. They're still around and they are, you know, living legends for... The women's movement, basically. Yeah, exactly. So we can still reference them while they're still alive. Thank goodness. So, yeah. Your homework? Look more of this shit up. Because, again, I, I barely scratch. scratched the surface. Look for the book Girls to the Front. Watch the documentary The Punk Singer. Yeah. There's... Fuck, man. And listen to Bikini Kill. Listen to La Tigra. Listen to Bratmobile. Listen to L7. L- listen Sleater to L7. Kinney. L7 and Sleater Kinney my fucking jams oh i love them there's some jams with a z oh sleater kinney is so fucking good just fucking listen to yeah. it it's amazing it's so also fun fact the girl in portlandia yep. the main girl yeah carrie brownstein yeah is one of the members of sleater kinney so if you, you didn't go. know if you didn't know now you know now you know now you know the more you know she's bitches. wonderful I love yeah, Carrie Yeah, she's Brown. delightful. So She is delightful. She is delightful. <laughs> you know what? On top of everything else, your homework forever is just fucking be an ally. Support each other. Just like I do. And stop mansplaining everything. I fucking Please. don't need you to mansplain anything to me. <laughs> Especially how to poop. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll conclude on that note. Uh, yeah, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Chad. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Rock Candy. <laughs> if you could, would, and please go rate us and review us on iTunes. We want the love and we... the rates and the reviews and the stars and the happiness yeah. given to us. That's we... how you can support women by rating, <laughs> rating. reviewing us on iTunes. <laughs> and also listen to other podcasts that are hosted by women. Fuck please. Yes. You know, if you're on Twitter, look up the hashtag ShePodcasts or Lady Pod Squad. There are some amazing podcast bitches out there. Absolutely. So do it. And also follow us on the things. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast. And we are on Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And our website's rockcandypodcast.com. I'm really trying to keep this easy for you folks. So, you know, go check us out. Good job. It'd be rad. Good job. 
And I think I think we'll end on that. So uh, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. We have gigantic silver mugs we this time. We do. And ooh. I try. Ooh, this is not really a noise, but they are heavy. They're very heavy. I try not to make so much noise. I put them. <laughs> I put it down on the table very gingerly. Very gently. Sorry if you heard us slamming our mugs <laughs> on the whole. You know, goodbye, kids. Party on. <laughs> Bye.